figure out what you like to do, what you're really good at, what you can get really passionate about, and just keep doubling down on that. As a loyal Best Ever listener, you know that it's important that we as entrepreneurs focus on managing our time effectively, which is why we're always looking for ways to automate the basic duties of our business so that we can focus more time on our money-making activities. That's why I want to introduce you to Rentler.com. At Rentler, landlords and property managers can perform all their duties in one place. Rentler offers tools that allow you to automate tasks like listing a unit for rent, finding and screening tenants, collecting rent, and managing the maintenance requests. And even better, these tools are offered at zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever to get started today. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of the fluffy stuff with us today. Mandy McAllister. How you doing, Mandy? I was just living the dream, Joe. Thanks for having me. All right. Living the dream. I love that. Let's see a little bit about Mandy. She is focused on underperforming small multifamily assets. She found success with her own deals in student housing as well as urban centers while also investing passively in syndications. And her passion is helping others define their path to financial freedom. You can learn more about her company at goodfortunecapital.com based in LaGrange, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. With that being said, Mandy, will you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, absolutely. I did both undergrad and my master's in business. And through the whole dot-com bust, I was working on the floor of the Chicago Board of Trade. And at that time, I saw these commodities and the farm ground really hold their values and really thrive during that time. So that really kind of informed my focus on hard assets. From there, I kind of grew my career into medical sales and made my first property purchase in 2008 in an up-and-coming neighborhood in Chicago with the end game of renting that out as soon as I moved, which I did a couple years later. Didn't really make another purchase until 2015, which is when I got into that small multifamily near Illinois State University. And really chose 2017 to make this kind of focus of mine, to give it the attention that it's due, and joined a mentoring group and really doubled down, invested passively, and really am looking for deals right now in the Kansas City area that we can syndicate on our own. I asked you right before, which I usually don't, but we met in Chicago at... um what is that conference? The Midwest? Uh, the Summit yeah. uh, Networking Summit. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's a mouthful. But Bree Smith and the John Kasem's conference that they put on in Chicago. We met there and I thought you mentioned the deal that you were working on. And so I briefly just asked you the latest deal and you said, well, we actually just walked away from a deal. So tell us about that. Yeah. Through this mentoring group that I'm a part of, I met my business partner, Jen, who's down in Kansas City and for the last eight, 10 months have been scouring every deal that crosses our desk. And we found something in a tertiary market that we really like, a 53 unit. Our LOI was in at 2.3 million. It was an opportunity to kind of position the C asset into a B and really make it a place that people would really, really want to live. But being that it was a tertiary market, 
doing kind of our due diligence and underwriting, talking to a property manager who we intended to bring in and kind of the local commerce group, we learned that Tyson Chicken was planning to bring in a processing plant, but that the people of this little town kind of banded together and said no to Tyson, which meant that it was going to be significantly harder to bring in these working force jobs moving forward. So we took that as kind of a sign that we needed to pass on this deal and focus on something that had more long-term jobs associated with it. Huh. It's interesting because I think a chicken processing plant is a unique thing that I imagine a decent amount of communities would have an issue with. So in my mind, that doesn't necessarily mean the town is against jobs. It's just against smelling death every day. <laughs> I grew up on a farm. Chickens are real smelly animals, I'll tell you that. But the perception of the, the commerce group and that property manager was, it was much, much harder. There were a lot of industry passing on this small town because of that, that they were banded against. So we chose to pass. Got right it. or wrong, I don't know, but it, it is what it is right now. All other fundamentals with the deal made sense? You know, there was maybe about $100 under market rent. It was a little bit off the beaten path, but it was directly between Kansas City and Lawrence, Kansas, where University of Kansas is. The only reason talking to, we actually, my business partner went out and had some conversations with residents that were there and people in local businesses. And the sense that we got from that was people really only lived in this small town because it was super cheap to live in a small town. And that kind of didn't really give us the warm and fuzzy. How much, if any money, did you lose as a result of backing out of the deal? We didn't lose money. We were at the best and final stage and walked away at that point. Okay. All right. So you had submitted an LOI and you hadn't been awarded the deal, but you were in the process of being either selected or not selected based on who they picked. Yep. So best and final is down to us and one other buyer. Okay. Would there be a price that you would purchase it if the other buyer fell through and the broker came back to you all and said, hey, other one didn't work out? Are you interested at a certain price? That's something we would absolutely reconsider. And we've submitted so many LOIs at this point at prices <laughs> that make sense. So we're kind of just staying close to the rim, hoping something does rebound. So We'd absolutely consider it, but end of the day, I am a buyer of real estate. I'm not a seller. So I want to make sure that I've mitigated risk in terms of long-term stuff as best I possibly can. When you're submitting the LOIs, do you submit at the purchase price that is your best purchase price initially, or do you have a different approach? Yeah, we stress test in such a way we look at about a 15% vacancy because that's just about as bad as it got in the 2008 downturn. And we really try to go in with something where we have some room to negotiate, which has probably resulted in why we haven't taken anything down yet. But we have structured things such that there is that room for negotiation. Okay. So you haven't recently purchased something. What was the last one you purchased? Was it the Illinois State University small multifamily one? Yep, on my own. I did go in on a syndication in the past year as a passive investor, but on my own, the ISU property was the last one I bought. Okay. 
we'll talk about each of those. The ISU property, you said it was a small multifamily. So how many units is that? It's four. Four. And what was the purchase price? Get this. Buckle up, Joe. 120000 <laughs> Okay. That sounds pretty good for best ever listeners who are in like Brownsville, Texas or something like, well, that's about market rate right there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm in Chicago. So that's kind of why I looked in my backyard a couple hours out. So, okay. So $120,000. What's the rent? I noticed a pretty significant difference in terms of rent for furnished student rentals versus non-furnished rentals. Right. So, we bought from a guy who was self-managing and renting it out unfurnished at about $400, $450 a month, depending on the unit. Then we repositioned that and aligned ourselves with one of the two go-to property managers that were student-focused. And in that first year, we were able to lock down tenants at $725 to $775 because we were furnished student rentals. How much does it cost to furnish each unit? Furniture lasts a little while. We're not replacing that every single year, but the initial kind of revamp that we did with new flooring and the furniture and paid some attention to the parking lot, which ended up being about $5,000 a door. So I think all in the furniture was maybe just shy of a thousand of it. And each unit is commanding seven seventy five in rent, approximately seven twenty five cents. I'm just using one of those numbers. So seven seventy five. Actually, the 775 was if they were a shorter-term tenant. So if they stayed 10 months instead of the 12, they paid more. If they were the full 12, that's when they paid the 725. We're actually right now up to 835, being wow. it's a couple years later. Wow. That shatters the 2% rule. And 2% rule, it shouldn't be a rule, should it? It should be the ideal scenario, right? I've never purchased a house that is 2%, but you did. You purchased a... It's 2.4%, the $725, because it's $30,000 a unit. How did you find that deal again? That was straight off the MLS. It was just looking for these unfurnished rentals in the middle of a pocket of furnished student rentals. Hmm. Wow. That is quite the find. And when you are now looking at syndicating, in between you passively invested in a deal What did you look for prior to passively investing in the deal? I actually got involved in that as a result of being part of this mentoring group. I knew that I wanted to move towards syndicating my own deal. So for kind of a learning process, I found one that I wanted to be a part of. And actually a teammate through the mentoring group is the one who was offering this up for passive investment. Basically, the reason I thought it was a home run was because it was beginning at 104 units with 26 that would soon be coming online. So 104 would go to 130 and actually ended up appraising for about 2.8 million more than the purchase price. So after those additional units went online. So that, that was something that I absolutely wanted to be involved in. And I also chose to self-direct funds so that I knew the process of going through a self-directed IRA so that I could potentially help future investors on deals of my own. The 26 units, were they built from ground up or or were they distressed and then renovated? It was kind of a hysterical story here. The previous owner 
had taken adjacent units and put kind of a spiral staircase through the ceiling and floor of two units and made them one kind of much larger unit, but it didn't command as much rent as the two did separately. So uncarding those meant for a significantly higher NOI. What have you learned by investing passively? The process in particular, investing with my self-directed IRA fund, it is for sure not nearly as easy as like buying a stock. So kind of knowing the time frame of wiring of funds and things like that was super informative. And also seeing the sorts of communications that come out and kind of knowing the sorts of handholding that I was allowed along the way has been really, really helpful. What aspects of the communication would you apply to a deal that you do when you syndicate one? I think that every step of the way, roughly every month right now, as we're ramping up and changes are happening to these units that are coming online, we're made aware. So without having to recreate the wheel, this team who's done a really great job syndicating this is providing me and every other passive investor with a little bit of knowledge just through an automated mailer that they put out monthly right now. And then I think that they're planning to move towards quarterly once all the changes are made complete. What would you do differently? I'm sure there's something that you do differently whenever you do your own deal that you've noticed. I do think that they've done a really great job. I know I've heard of a lot of other syndicators that does some video stuff. I would really love an opportunity to put together a video for potential investors because people take in information very differently. I would love maybe a webinar of some sort to walk through those significant PPM documents. But other than that, these guys did a really great job. Based on your experience as a real estate investor, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Figure out what you like to do, what you're really good at, what you can get really passionate about. And just keep doubling down on that. What is that for you? I really love the people part of this, kind of the networking, how I met you. The spreading the word, preaching the gospel of multifamily real estate is really my thing. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Born ready. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You looking for a one-stop landlording software that helps you create listings, find and screen tenants, and accept rental payments while managing maintenance requests? Oh, by the way, it's zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever. See a rundown or abandoned house? Well, snap a picture with the Deal Machine app to instantly find the owner and get in touch via direct mail, email, and phone in just 10 seconds. Search Deal Machine in your app store or visit dealmachineapp.com. Okay, what's the best ever book you've read? Gary Keller's The One Thing, especially because this is my side hustle. If I didn't have the ability to really hone in on focus on what the next right thing is, I wouldn't be accomplishing anything impactful. What's your full-time job? I sell medical devices. Best ever deal you've done? I'd have to say that first fourplex. It really taught me a lot of things. It taught me about scale. It taught me that the repositioning, the best use for an asset is the one that matters, not how it's being used right now. 
What's a mistake you've made on the transaction that you did that four unit? We didn't walk each of the units before signing papers, and two of the four had become vacant, and I wasn't aware. <laughs> Which ended up a blessing in disguise because we were able to reposition, but it was a real gulp moment. What would you do differently if presented a similar situation? Well, I for sure are going to be systematic in walking every single unit before close, not just at the inspection. How far in advance of closing should you walk those units? In very close proximity. I'd want to walk them the day of or the day before. Best ever way you like to give back? To the investment community, I started a meetup in Chicagoland that we call the Lifetime Cashflow Apartment Investors, which is kind of a nod to my mentor, Rob Sleep. And kind of in general, I work with a group called the Foundation for Community Betterment, where we identify someone in need who has continually given back to the community and raise money for a very specific need. Last, we raised money for a wheelchair for the daughter of a police officer. So it was real impactful to see exactly where those dollars were going to you. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? Check me out on my website, goodfortunecapital.com, or shoot me an email at mandy at goodfortunecapital.com. One other thing I wanted to ask you about that we talked about in Chicago, you got pre-qualified for agency debt without ever having got that debt before. So how did you do that? I really thought that you had to have had that debt for agency debt to qualify for it, which is a real catch-22. But it turns out because of my passive investment history, because I'd done small multifamily, because my partner had done a bunch of fix and flips and had single family rentals. They were willing to work with us with the Freddie Mac Small Balance Loan Program, which was pretty cool. So it pays to invest passively in deals for being set up in the long run if you are looking to do it more actively, as well as having the right business partners partner up with you. For sure. Sweet. Well, thanks again for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. You too, Joe. Thanks. See a rundown or abandoned house? Well, snap a picture with the Deal Machine app to instantly find the owner and get in touch via direct mail, email, and phone in just 10 seconds. Search Deal Machine in your app store or visit dealmachineapp.com.